it is time for your Wednesday night credo. Today, with us is speaker Sister Rose Rowling from the Dominican Sisters in Cambridge. Sister Rose Rowling is a second year novice and she has spoken on Radio Maria before and we're very pleased to have her this evening joining us live. During this program, you will have the opportunity to call, uh, offer your reflections, ask questions. Sister Rose is very happy to chat and share with you. But for now, let me go ahead and let her take the microphone. Sister Rose, hello, hello. Hello. Hi, Helena, and hello to all our callers this evening. Oh, so good to be with you. It is so good to be with you. Sister Rose, it was raining earlier, but now the mm. sun has come through the clouds and it's beautiful. And I'll it give is. you full credit for that. Thank you very much. <laughs> I can control the weather. In the second year of a novitiate, you get to control the weather. Ooh, you know? What happens your third year? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the sea, the tides. Oh, I love it. I love it. All right, Sister Rose, I'm very excited. I've got my pen. I've got my paper. Thanks. I am ready to take notes. The listeners are all yours. Great. Thank you so much. Well, good evening to you all. Um, I'm going to talk a bit tonight about um, a series that we as Dominican Sisters in Cambridge are running. We're actually running a series of public talks on the eight evil thoughts. We've actually got the third in our series running live tonight at 7.30, but they're every second Wednesday of the month. So a note for your diaries if you can ever join us in person. Um, Basically, we as a community chose this topic of the eight evil thoughts because our theology is always informed by our pastoral ministry and a great deal of the distress that we see as pastors is actually rooted in mental anguish and or moral crisis. And as Dominicans, our particular charism, which is our gift that God has given us to give to the church, is study and preaching. And we recognize that our conversion, our way of becoming more like Christ, will ultimately come through the mind. So the word metanoia is the Greek word for the, for the word repentance. And this literally means a change of mind. And this is why study has such an important place in Dominican life. Now, the eight evil thoughts are an ancient part of monastic wisdom, and it comes to us from the Desert Fathers. And the Desert Fathers is the name given to an early group of Christians who left civilization, who left community, and they went out into the desert to more wholeheartedly follow Christ. So they went out to the deserts of Egypt and they dedicated their life to prayer, to penance and to solitude. Now, what's interesting about these group of characters is that although they'd left behind everything externally, they'd given up their property, they'd left their families, they'd left their communities, they quickly found that they still had plenty of baggage inside themselves. So they had their own temptations, their own sins, their own human limitations. And actually, when they were stripped of everything else in the desert, in that kind of barren, hostile environment, all of these things buried underneath quickly came to the surface. And one of the Desert Fathers, a man called Evagrius of Pontus, noticed that these temptations and these sins were called by logismoi, which is the word meaning thoughts. Okay, so these temptations were coming from his thoughts. And he identified eight common temptations that lead us away from Christ 
and away from what's good. And he noticed that these temptations came either from demons, from evil spirits, or from our fallen human nature. Think about original sin, think about our own psychological wounds, our own inner critic, our social environments, um, our ignorance, and, and sometimes also our, our temperamental weakness as people, as individuals, all right? So he was noticing he had to battle all of these things. And he noticed that the first temptation was towards a love of self, okay, selfishness. He said that was the root of all of these issues. But after that come the eight thoughts. So I'm just going to talk very, very briefly a, a little bit about the eight thoughts now in, in this first first section. So the first thought he identified was gluttony. This was the first thought to become an obsessive preoccupation after everything else had been renounced. So gluttony includes overeating, but it also includes insisting on things like the most delicate food. Okay, think, you know, I only want to eat planet organic kind of attitude, the most expensive food, uh, or sometimes an excessive concern for one's health. Okay, we do have a responsibility to take care of our health, but sometimes it can become almost, you know, an obsession in itself, which also isn't good. And the second thought he noticed was lust. And he said that lust was actually the most persistent thought in somebody's life. It's the one that we, we're, never, we're often never quite free of. And lust really is about a preoccupation with your own sexual pleasure at the expense of the other person involved. So God gave us sex as something good and beautiful, and it should be an act of love. But sometimes with lust, it becomes an act of use, okay? We end up just using the other person for our own gratification. And that's a, that's a temptation, and it's, it's um, a persistent one. The third thought that he identified was avarice. And he said that this was the most all-encompassing thought. Avarice just kind of sucks you in, and it just gets bigger and bigger. And avarice simply means the desire for more more possessions, more money, more status, more anything. It's about never really being satisfied. The fourth thought was sadness. And this is a thought that's most connected to our human nature. And sadness, the way of understanding it can be compared to a kind of nostalgia, a feeling of loss for the good that has been, or a feeling of longing for what could be can also be connected to a kind of despair over the demands of the spiritual life and our own struggles and failures to fight the spiritual battle. For the Desert Fathers, often they, they encountered this thought when they would think about the families that they had left behind before starting out on their monastic journey, or perhaps their favourite routines or their favourite places to visit before their life in the desert. The fifth thought is anger. And anger is the sharpest thought, okay, the most kind of potent, and also potentially the most destructive. And anger is about feelings of indignation against a, a wrongdoer, or a perceived wrongdoer. And anger really broods on thoughts of revenge. Okay, it's like this circle of vultures going round and round in your mind, just making you brood on the wrong that you think has been done to you um, or the wrong that you've seen. And it really fires up a deep kind of uh, a darkness, a fire inside of you, which, which is very hot, very destructive.
Acedia is the sixth thought, okay? This is the one we tend to talk about least, actually, in modern spirituality. But acedia is the most burdensome thought. It's also sometimes called the noonday demon. And it refers to the lack of zeal or joy for spiritual things. It's kind of a weary restlessness or a constant dissatisfaction with spiritual things. There's a similarity between this and sadness, okay? It's that kind of not satisfied, can't settle, always moving, whether in your mind, whether in your body. It's acedia is sometimes translated as sloth or laziness, but it really means an attitude towards the spiritual life. And monks called it the noonday demon because it tends to come, what, well, they said literally in the heat of the day, okay, the, the heat was most intense during the noon the noon time in the desert but also sometimes during middle age we can really be afflicted by acedia we've been a christian for a long time um and actually now we're just starting to get a bit tired of it you know that's when acedia can start setting in in our mind the seventh thought was vanity and this evagrius says is the most subtle thought because it's the one which easily creeps into the minds of those whose lives are going pretty well and vanity concerns the desire for human acclaim, human approval, especially in spiritual things. Vanity wants to be seen, okay? And if you are being a good Christian, if, you're, if your Christian walk is going in some sense pretty well, this is the one that's just going to creep up on you and tempt you and uh, get you to fall into that trap of seeking human approval rather than God's approval as your first thing. And the last thought is pride. And pride is the most destructive thought of all. And it can lead the soul to its worst fall. Pride refuses to admit God's help and credits itself, yourself, rather than God for its achievements. If you think about original sin, the first sin, the cause of original sin was pride. Okay, Adam and Eve in the garden, thinking that they didn't have to listen to God, thinking that they knew best. So these are the eight evil thoughts and the order in which Evagrius lists these thoughts is deliberate. The list is given in what he saw was the general pattern of development in a person's growth. So there's an ascent from the physical, such as gluttony and lust, to the mental, such as anger and sadness, and finally to the spiritual, such as vanity and pride, temptations. So that's the pattern of somebody's spiritual growth. And that's how the thoughts he, he recognized tended to develop. Okay, so that's the eight evil thoughts. Those are the common temptations. And it's important to know them and to know their hold in your own life. There is a proverb which says, sow a thought and you will reap a deed. Sow a deed and you will reap a habit. Sow a habit and you will reap a character. Sow a character and you will reap a destiny. So our thoughts ultimately determine the rest of our life. So if we're overcome, if we're being defeated by bad thoughts, the rest of your life won't be heading anywhere good. All right, so I'm going to I'm going to cue um, Helena to have a little bit of a music break. We ponder that first half, and then we'll look at how we might heal and, and start combating some of these evil thoughts. Thank you very much, Sister Rose. Thank you.
for today wednesday the 5th of the 5th the 11th of may and this evening we have sister rose rolling joining us and speaking to us about the evil thoughts eight of them she's named them as gluttony lust avarice sadness anger assidia vanity and pride and listeners i know myself have been able to check off all of them this isn't a bingo game though no 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 sister rose <laughs> let's let's oh can i just check in number yeah. six assidia how do you say yeah. that is city 
I think there are different pronunciations. I say acedia, some people say acardia. I think it's a little bit open to interpretation. So, uh, so I think you're doing great. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, you're doing great too. And I'm looking forward to hearing more. So listeners, you will have a chance later to call in to share your reflections, your questions and more to our second year novice Dominican sister here today. But Sister Rose, you, take, you keep going, you keep going. Thanks. Thanks, Alina. Um, thank you. Also, I love the song Oceans. It used to be one of my favourite songs. Listen to that a lot on repeat. So thanks woo-hoo, for saying woo-hoo. that. Yeah, good choice. Um, so we've heard the eight evil thoughts. Um, and we've seen that we've got a battle on our hands. And as you very honestly and candidly said, Alina, you yourself could take them off. Well, I think we all can, right? You know, this is a this is a spiritual battle. This is what we've got to fight all of us as Christians all the time. But look, there is good news, okay? We've seen what we're up against, but we have the good news. Jesus Christ has come to heal us, okay? And if we want freedom and if we want healing for our minds, we must look to Jesus. Now, St. Paul says in Philippians that we need to have the same mind as Christ. And this mind of Christ is defined by several particular qualities, all right? He, Jesus was obedient to God. He was humble. He was receptive to the graces and the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. And he was filled with wisdom. So those are the characteristics of having a mind like Christ. Evagrius also wrote about cultivating what he called a monastic intellect, by which he meant removing not just the actions of sin, but even the very thoughts of sin too. And Evagrius recommends self-control, gentleness, vigilance, periods of solitude, and frequent prayer and reading of the scriptures as the keys to strengthening the intellect against the assaults of evil thoughts. And when we do that, this enables us to give our minds to the contemplation of God, to thoughts of God, on earth and ultimately in heaven. So we're preparing our minds to receive that gift of contemplating God in this life and also in the next. All right, so to develop this Christ-like mindset of all these things we've heard, obedience, humility, uh, frequent prayer, self-control, all of these qualities, these beautiful qualities that help us to be more like Christ. Evagrius wrote a manual for spiritual combat. This is what came out of his own experience directly with fighting his own demons. And in it, he suggested that we fight the evil thoughts through a process called antiretikos. Okay, this is just a Greek word, which means, literally means, talking back. And it means that whenever you are tempted by a thought, say towards greed or lust or anger, you remember and recite a relevant verse from the Bible to contradict this thought. Okay, let me give you an example. These, these come directly from Evagrius's writings. So, for example, against a thought towards, this would be towards avarice. If you have a thought that seeks to store up possession for itself alone, you just want to possess more, just keep it for yourself. Evagrius quotes Philippians 2.4. Let each of you not look to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Okay, next one. Say you've got a thought of anger. So 
against a thought that provokes us to hate or to curse our enemies. Evagrius quotes Matthew 5, 44 to 45. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your father in heaven. Or again, say you're wrestling with pride. Against the thought that shows you other people's sins and causes you to think that you're better than them, he quotes Ecclesiastes 7.20. For there is not a righteous person on earth who will do good and not sin. And Evagrius has a whole manual, a whole book dedicated to all the possible evil thoughts, to, to all the possible temptations that come from each one of these thoughts and has scripture quotes to directly contradict them. And Evagrius's technique for dealing with temptation imitates Christ's. We think back to Christ when he was into the deserts before he started his ministry. He was taunted by Satan. Three times he was tempted and three times he rebukes that by quoting scripture. And that's how Christ was victorious in the desert. This was also the practice of King David, who gave us the Psalms. And the Psalms frequently recall God's promises in times of trial. If you ever pray the divine office, okay, you recite three Psalms in each office. That's extremely powerful. You're, you're in spiritual combat when you're praying the office. Or even when you hear the Psalms at Mass, or you say them privately to yourself. This is real, real spiritual combat you're taking on. And this is helping you to be victorious. Another key practice in combating our thoughts is the practice of regular silent prayer and contemplation. This may include what we call Lexio Divina, and Lexio just means the prayerful reading of the Bible. There is a, a, a particular technique to it, um, four steps to it, which you know, if you if you are interested, do have a look at that. But it's a really fruitful way of learning to be still and attentive to our thoughts and just giving this time to reading scripture and to relating it to my life can help us to discern our inner impulses and especially in our world we need to get into the habit of slowing down and asking ourselves where are these thoughts coming from is it from angels or from the holy spirit which are good thoughts or is it from demons, which are bad thoughts? Or is it just from myself, which could be either good or bad, depending? And one thing that can help with discerning our thoughts is voicing them sometimes to a trusted and wise guide, like a spiritual director or a confessor. But we have so much coming at us all the time. We need to just take a moment to step back and to ask, where do these movements, these ideas, these impulses, these thoughts come from? Is it from something that's good or from something that's bad? And finally, you know, we should remember St. Paul's advice that whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. One of the things that's really helpful to fulfilling this is to continue to grow in your knowledge of the Catholic faith and really be discerning in the books and the media that you engage with. We do live in a culture where there's such a lot of access to so many things all the time. It can feel like a bit of a deluge. 
We need the ability to discern what is good, what is not so good. Okay, what is real food, real nourishment that helps you strengthen our minds and what really is a kind of junk food. Okay, the negative inputs will form in us, will aggravate or intensify negative thoughts. And ultimately, as we saw before, thoughts are the are the key to the rest of our life. So if we're forming in ourselves negative thoughts, ultimately we're going to be forming in us a negative personality. So if you change your thoughts, you will change your life. And 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 that's that's how we become that's how we will be transformed or not into being more like christ so what we need to do is to strengthen our mental infrastructure all right saint Teresa of avila said that spiritual growth depends on self-knowledge so we need to come to know ourselves and we need to start mapping our inner landscape we need to have some time of silence looking at each of these thoughts really carefully and really prayerfully and seeing where are these things present in my life and then ask ourselves some questions what makes me vulnerable to some of these thoughts which thoughts is it that i'm wrestling with the most in what ways am i wrestling with them in what ways am i tempted by them where are my psychological wounds what is my root sin what are my temperamental weaknesses as an individual person? In what ways am I ignorant of parts of the Catholic faith, of parts of morals, of parts of myself? What is it in my social environment that leads me into temptation or keeps me weak? These are all really important questions to take into prayer and to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to, to you. And it's by doing this that we will come to a place of greater self-knowledge. And ultimately, when we have that, we can invite Christ in because Christ comes to heal us. When we invite him in he, and we open ourselves up genuinely to his touch, we will start to see change in our lives. So map your mental scaffold, okay? Be really honest and see where are those parts, those dys that dysmorphic thinking in my life, You've probably already heard, uh, we've probably all heard of body dysmorphic disorder, okay, which is the anxious preoccupation with the flaws of one's body or a part of one's body. Well, there, there is another form of dysmorphic thinking, I think, which is we have all kinds of false perceptions of ourselves and of God and of other people. So we need to get work on our dysmorphic thinking and straighten some of that stuff out. And ultimately, that's going to be the key. St. James Alvarone said that all progress ultimately is mental progress. So once we've got our mental scaffold, the spiritual combat begins in earnest. When we can really start to learn our scripture and, and to use that to combat these thoughts. Evagrius, I mean, Evagrius's book is, is an excellent resource. I would really recommend it to anybody. But what he does and what he says is we need to know our scriptures really super well because it's through that that when we're feeling attacked, under pressure, confused, when we're trying to discern, we can't see the way forward, go to scripture. And the scriptures that will answer each and every thought are scattered what Evagris does is put them into a handbook very conveniently so that you can go to them and you can see, okay, which scripture is going to answer that for me? Because scripture is truth, just like Jesus is truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. 
So if we know our scriptures, when we're in moments of trial and testing and temptation, we can recall that to mind. And the more we know our scriptures, the more we dwell with them, the more that they stay in our heart, and the more that they are there for us when we're encountering these difficult times, when we're coming under attack. And don't be surprised as well, when you really start trying to tackle these things in your life, it's actually quite common for them to get worse. <laughs> okay, that seems that seems counterintuitive. I, I know that. But often when you really start going out to the battlefield, you can expect things to get hotter, not quieter at first. But the more that you become um, experienced and confident in resting on God's grace and, and relying on God to fight for you, the more that you'll be able to take this on and the more that you will see victory as gradually, gradually Christ will fight for you and he will give the territory back to you from all these negative negative things that have been allowed to dwell in your mind. So that's uh, that's what I would say. Um, my my input on the eight people thoughts. I would just say, guys, you know, keep fighting the good fights. We have to fight all the time. You know, this is a spiritual combat that we're in. It starts with our minds. Um, but count on Christ. Look to Him. Get to know yourselves really well, and He will be the one to come and to heal you. Amen. Amen. Sister Rose, I love it. Uh, I'm going to book you to speak to my confirmation students <laughs> because that is, I listener, sorry, this is something that uh, I think not just young people, I needed to hear it, but mm. it's such a great, who is this guy? Varag, Vagarius? Eva yeah. His name's Evagrius, Evagrius of Pontus, one of the uh, Egyptian desert fathers. All right. So I looked up this book on, uh, I think, I think it, it looks very thick. <laughs> It's, it's not that bad. It's uh, just under 200 pages. Standard edition. Yeah, but it's, you know, what's great about it? It's not like you don't, you don't have to read it cover to cover. It's just broken up into the eight chapters what? and it's just got little sentences. So he'll say something like um, against a thought and a scripture passage against this other thought and a scripture passage. So it's really handy to just dip into now and again, if you're struggling with a particular thing. Are there pictures? Uh, well, there's one on the front. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. All right. Well, listeners, uh, this is your uh, sister Rose. Would you like to give the listeners a thought, a reflection to think on and possibly call in about? Mm. Yeah, sure. Um, how about we we kind of dwell? Can you say that yeah. um, on the topic of anger? Yeah. And yeah, so, um, that's often one I've been thinking about a lot recently because um, I think anger is such a complex emotion it's it's associated with lots of things sometimes grief sometimes you know we talk about righteous anger injustice um and then we also think about anger um in terms of expressing itself through acts of violence okay so anger is a really complicated emotion and as evagrius says often or potentially the most destructive to not just to yourself but also to other people so yeah why don't we you know also think about particularly anger um yeah. Thought and, yeah, and, and listeners, if there's anything, so so remember the the combating these is talking mm -hmm. back, regular silent prayer and voicing them to a guide. So if there's any advice you'd like to give our fellow listeners, like oh, Sister Rose, when I get angry, um, mm -hmm. let us share with us. We're a community here. This is a imagine we're sitting in a circle. Sister Rose has gotten us started. She's lit the flame. Our little candles are lit, and now mm -hmm. let's really warm up this room together in discussion. All right, I'm opening the phones. There it is, zero one. 
223-375-564. You can call if you're outside of the UK as well. That number is 0041-223-375-564. If you go on our website, all of our phone numbers are there, including our WhatsApp number. So if you'd like to text in a question or a reflection or call via WhatsApp, that which is which is free with your Wi-Fi, uh, Totally do that, or just call straight into the line. 01-22-337-5564. And while you're calling, how about we have God of All My Days by Casting Crows. I came to you with my heart in pieces and found the God with healing in his hands I turned to you put everything behind me and found the God who makes all things new I look to you Drowning in my questions And found the God Who holds all wisdom And I trusted you And stepped out on the ocean You caught my hand among the waves Cause you're the God of all my days
God, you are my stillness. In my searching, God, you are my answers. In my blindness, God, you are my vision. In my bondage, God, you are my I do encourage you to call 0122-337-5564. God, you are my vision. And in my bondage, God, you are my freedom. All my days. All right, listeners. I have our dear listener, Lynette, on the line. Lynette is a listener from Milton, Cambridge area, Sister Rose, so a local. Uh, Lynette, Sister Rose, go ahead. Uh, what's your question, Lynette? Oh, hello. Um, uh, good evening, uh, Sister Rose. Nice to Hi. meet you live on air. <laughs> yeah, and you too. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've got a, a question, uh, which is really um, having just sat and listened at at the end of um, quite a tiring day, well, a tiring week, I could tell through my tired listening brain that actually there was quite a lot in what you've just said in your presentation that's, um, well, there's a lot in there. Mm. But late on a Wednesday night, um, it's hard to process. Um, but I can tell there's some good stuff in there. And it just occurred to me, I wondered whether um, the the material that you've presented might fit into a day retreat. That that way, um, the structure of, of a retreat day helps people who have busy lives and might find it hard to carve out the time or like me, you know, shattered on an evening to listen. But it, it, it means you provide some time for people to encounter that space and quietness mm. and stillness that yeah. um, is recommended in order yeah. then I, to rest it might be that they just need to rest but in then with the material that you're presenting it can give time and space to reflect on one or two of the ideas one or two of the mm. threads mm. from what's obviously you know there's there's a lot of scope within what you've just described for mm. reflecting it could go um, in anybody's thoughts, in in all sorts of directions. But if if there was time to be still over mm. the course of a day, to mm. sit with some of the ideas, and then the some kind of second thought I had is that I I think some of these things that um, I think we help each other when we can reflect on them in community, mm. uh, like you've suggested. It's good to have 
a person to speak to and reflect one to one about. Um, yeah. I think, I think, I think our spiritual journey. We need each other. You know, I, I don't. Yeah. I think sometimes we can feel quite on our own. So I would imagine that in a retreat day kind of setting, that there could be an opportunity to have a quiet word with somebody during the day as needed, or. And just being together, sharing the experience might be helpful. That that's it's just a pondering out loud. I hope mm. that's helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Lynette, so much. I think you're right. I mean, there is a lot of stuff in here and it's also deep stuff. I mean, if you do this mm. work properly, this is deep inner work and it takes time and it takes prayer and it takes, you know, real self-honesty. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm definitely open to the idea of a retreat. Um, I'll bring it to my community and uh, watch this <laughs> okay. space. That, that would be great. Yeah. And I, I think you. what you say also about one-to-ones is important. Um, you know, the Desert Fathers, they would have somebody, usually an abbot, um, it carried over straight into the, the, the monastic life, um, a, a senior or an elder that they would just tell everybody to, uh, uh, that tell everything to. And it was mm. a, a kind of part of spiritual advice that when, especially when you were junior in the mm. desert life or the monastic life, that you would have somebody who you would just disclose everything to and they would be wise and trained and help you discern and I, I mean I must say I have you know probably a couple of people in my own life who I have that relationship with I just tell you know they get everything <laughs> you know the good the bad mm. and the ugly and actually it, I think that's extremely powerful and helpful um, mm. because somebody really gets to know you and there is I think you do need people in your life who you are completely transparent with and you just mm. give them everything um, and they can really help you to discern you know, where do these things come from? Um, and ultimately, what what is making you a better person, a more Christ-like person, and actually what's just the dross that's bringing you down? So one-to-ones, extremely important. Good spiritual friendships are just mm. irreplaceable in our Christian walk, for sure. Mm. 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 Now, I, um, thank you. I, I have to disappear now, but, uh, but thank you ever so much. <laughs> thank you okay. so much, Lynette. Thank okay. you, Lynette. God bless. Okay. Thank, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I do think so. Yeah, uh, definitely a a retreat, Sister Rose. Definitely, oh, and then like if it. you do one, then we can do the drama therapy with it. Now let me go. Now it's this. Yeah. It's not so. Uh, it's it's in it. Let me give you the little example. Uh, so when we were learning how to do it, we uh, we're all actors and stuff like this. So we're looking at each other, and you would say how your day. One person would say how your day was, and like oh da da da. And then the other person would just supposed mirror back how you would do it, how you would say it. and you would keep saying it and then the other person would mirror back and then as we got better and better you would turn and then it kind of became like uh it's not I don't know how to call it now it's not whispers it's telephone where you pass the the message down and it changes each way Oh Chinese whispers yeah. Kind of, yeah yeah I don't know yeah uh, so so you would you would say this is how I feel today and then the next person would say da, 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 and it would go and then you as the person saying it first would get to watch each person how they perceived you to say it you're like oh okay okay mm. and then you would practice with little things like how do you feel today oh do you what's your favorite coffee uh, type of ice cream da, 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 da. and then you would get to um uh da, 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 da. i feel after uh this test or something like something mm. like that and then you'd say how you felt and then by watching each person say it you would get to see your thoughts, but cleared, filtered, maybe added on by somebody else. And that really brought light to what you, 
you you kind of saw your one you got off your chest whatever you were feeling and then two you also got to see it again reenacted by other Mm -hmm. people and it gets bigger and bigger as as you actually like oh i'm just gonna dance out how i feel and then the others watch it and then they and they do it back to you and you're like whoa where did that come from oh no i didn't notice that was happening yeah absolutely and it's that community but you can only do that if there's other people around so community community speaking to another person about it definitely i think you're right i mean you see there's two i mean so Evagoras talks first of all about solitude. That's the first thing that's important to know what it what are my thoughts? You know, mm. to start to get into that stream of consciousness, what's in my head. But then I think for the healing, the healing of those thoughts, you need community. Um, it's found, you know, so if you just take something like, you know, lots of people use therapy now, and a, a lot really of, of what counselors do is simply reflecting back. Okay, I'm hearing you say this. You know, they're just mirroring to you so you can hear yourself speak, um, which is important. But what's even more powerful is um, what's becoming bigger now, especially in the Catholic tradition, actually, is healing um, that has that it does that is acted out, you know, kind of embodied therapy, because um, talking is one thing. And that relates to a certain part of your brain, your prefrontal cortex. But actually, if you act out, that comes from the deeper part of your brain, um, the amygdala, the bit that um, controls your your responses, like your fight and flight and things like that. Now, that's the deepest part of your brain. That's kind of your animalistic parts. If you can act things out, then that's extremely powerful in being able to rewire any negative thought patterns that you've had just playing on a loop in your mind. So, yeah, I think things like drama therapy art therapy can be extremely powerful in being able to break negative thought patterns even things like traumatic experiences episodes memories that may be in your mind um very powerful and um something that we do need more of yes and you've got to have that so and that's uh listeners for prayer that's why uh, that's part of the regular daily prayer it needs to be that silence right that solace yeah. fo- solitude solace with just getting everything else away and yeah yeah just coming you know just putting yourself in the presence of god coming before christ and having that real heart to heart prayer you know your heart to his heart what does the deepest part of you say bringing bringing everything you know god is the one person you can be totally unafraid to be yourself with you know because he already knows everything it's just you coming before him with an honesty and an openness and saying, Lord, you know, this is, this is my struggle. This is my pain. This is my joy. This is my desire. This is my wish. I give it all to you. And I need you to, to make it beautiful and to, and to make, turn it into something that glorifies you. And, and just be honest, you know, these are the things in my head. Um, and, and when you have the silence and the solitude, that's when you can really come to the point of okay like what's going on what are the thoughts that are buzzing around and sometimes you know things like journaling really useful write them down you know make a note of what kinds of thoughts are on in my head today and then you can start to become conscious you become attentive you can start discerning them and you can know ah okay this is in my head a lot and this is starting to trip me up so if you get thoughts of you know resentment against somebody envy against somebody lusting after somebody you can just start to notice that. You can bring it to Christ. You can ask him to heal it for you. 
Oh, Sister Rose, we've run out of time. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so Thank much you. for this. We will definitely have to have you back. And can you share with our listeners again about the, if they're in the Cambridge area, uh, yes. they're going to continue on this talk with your sisters. What? Give us the details yes. again. Sure. So it's the second Wednesday of every month, starting at 7.30. We have cocoa and cake. Yippee. And then we go for a talk at 8 o'clock. It lasts for about 30 minutes. And we end with Compline, which is the night prayer of the church at 8.30. So it's about an hour and a half, the second Wednesday of every month. It will be on the Blackfriars website, amongst other places. Um, and you're just warmly invited to come. Each month, we take one of the thoughts and we open it up so tonight we we've actually got we last is the topic of tonight's session we had gluttony last month um and that's how we're running the series over the course of the next year so you're more than welcome to come for any of those talks I hear it's cocoa cake tonight. Does that mean you're going to get off this talk and go get some cocoa cake? It does indeed. That's where I'm <laughs> headed next. <laughs> yummy, yummy, yummy. Well, have a lovely time. Sister Rose, could you uh, end our program with a prayer and, and a little uh, prayer over our listeners as well? Yes, certainly. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for this time together to explore some of these issues some of these tools that you've given us to fight the good fight. Father, I pray for your Holy Spirit to come and fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created and you show anew the face of the earth. And I ask for St. Michael, Archangel, to go before you, to protect you and to fight for you. Amen. Amen. Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless, Father. God bless, Father. <laughs> God bless, Sister Rose. Thank you so much, Alina. Take care. Enjoy the cake. Thanks, <laughs> I will. Take care, everyone.